0: The Breakdown with Bethany is a mom.com podcast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com hi and welcome back to another episode of the breakdown with bethany i'm bethany Braun silva and i'm really excited about today's guest because she's someone i've followed for years erica Suter is joining us she's a veteran parenting journalist who is a regular correspondent on good morning america she's also the author of how to have a kid and a life so if you have a kid and want a life make sure you get that book or you can check out this conversation stay tuned <music> Well, let's let's jump into let's jump in then because I'm so interested to learn personally, and I of course want our audience to know a little bit about your background. I'm surprised to hear you weren't always a parenting journalist, but tell us about your background and then how you fell into parenting journalism.
1: So I started my career as a journalist actually at People Magazine, and I covered entertainment, right? Um, the MTV music awards or, um, you know, the Oscars and things like that. Another specialty of mine there was health. I did like body after baby (laughs) and, you know, stories that were really mainstream and interesting. But as I got older and once I had kids, my own personal interests shifted. But also I realized that those work hours that I used to have weren't conducive to being a mother. And it's not that you can't be a mother and do that job. In the environments that I worked in, it just, it was just the hours were crazy. And I remember one night getting home at 4 a.m. and thinking, oh my gosh, my baby's going to be up in two hours and I am exhausted. And so I decided to make a switch. And I decided to make a switch to something I, I personally cared more about. And I moved into parenting. I became an editor at Cafe Mom. And that kind of began um, my road to covering all things family.
0: I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of aligned in that, but I always, I was always a parenting journalist, but I fell into journalism when I found myself pregnant with my first child. And I sort of, sort of feel like these are where my interests lie. So maybe I'll give it a shot, but I have so curious, do you have a favorite parenting story that you've covered or that you've written about, or that you've covered on Good Morning America? Um, I'm so curious about that.
1: Well, actually, it's interesting that you asked that because I've been thinking about this story all week, especially with the news of the teacher shortage. And, you know, for every parent out there, this is a big deal, especially if you live in a community where there is a teacher shortage. And I did this story several years ago about this teacher who considered leaving her job because not only was she disrespected by her students, she was also disrespected by the parents. And she thought, how am I going to do my job? How am I going to help these kids be the best they can be if I don't even have the support from um, parents? And so when I covered that story, I really talked about how parents need to be in partnership with their kids' teachers right? It's not just let me send them off to school. I'm not going to worry about what they do for eight or nine hours a day. It's like helping to facilitate the learning process, helping to keep them behaved. You have to be in league with what the school is doing. And if someone, a teacher reaches out to you and is having a problem with your kid, your reaction, of course, it's natural for us to be defensive. It's natural for us to want to protect our kids, but you need to listen to figure out, well, wait, what's happening here? Is this really a problem? And let me help fix it. And I felt like there weren't, Enough parents doing that in some communities, and teachers were leaving. And I feel like that's so that's one of my favorite stories because it's still so relevant and it's still really important.
0: Yeah, and we're actually, you know, I'm not sure when this will air, but we are heading, you know, back into a lot of uh, states have already, cities have already gone back to school, but here in New York City, correct me if I'm wrong, that's where your base is. You're based here as well. Yeah, we start school after Labor Day, so we're sort of switching gears now, and it is, you know, after the pandemic and things like that. Is there anything you, aside from being nice to your child's teacher, uh, is there anything that you want, can sort of impart as an expert, you know, as we're sort of gearing up for back-to-school time?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that back-to-school time is one of the most... You know, exhausting to even think about, right? Because we're back to strict schedules, we're back to after-school activities, and it's not just busy for your kids. It's so hectic for working parents. It can, you know, can cause cause a lot of anxiety. Like, how do I start this loop back up again? And so, one of the things that I always recommend is that being organized is the most important thing. And that's not just you. Like, the whole family has to be organized. Uh, we, in my family, we have a family calendar. We have one that's a physical, huge one on a wall near the kitchen. We also keep a digital Google calendar that everyone has access to. So that way we can be like, oh wait, you know, can Lex do this after school or does Lex have tutoring this day? So there's not so much of a conflict. And that saves a lot of time from, you know, asking everyone what's going on because you have it right there in front of you. And the other thing I would recommend, honestly, is planning out meals. Like there's nothing worse than coming home at like 6.30 and trying to figure out what what is everyone gonna eat right, and this goes for moms and dads or all caregivers, right, I have a, a, on that wall calendar, I've started to put, okay, here's what we're having for the week, so then when I come home, or if my husband's home early, they can get the the meal started, right, and stuff is in there because I've ordered it on Sunday, and we just kind of go from there, they're not always four-star dinners, someone doesn't like it at the table but it's what's there and you're going to have to eat it. <laughs> you had a warning on the calendar that we're having tacos tonight.
0: I yeah, they know what to expect. Don't <laughs> know it don't argue with the chef.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I think another thing is that as parents, uh, especially as working moms, we don't outsource enough. And that means we not just relying on ourselves to get everything done, but relying on everyone around us. I've enlisted help from my mother-in-law, my mother, my best friend who lives in the neighborhood, Um, my kids as they're older, they can do more chores. We have to start offloading all the things we have to do so that we're not so overwhelmed. So those are three of, I think, the most important things to consider when going back to school
0: yeah i mean you kind of answered i feel like you might have answered my next question which is you know i know you talk a lot about burn burnout and this Mm -hmm. this sort of you know these hot you know words like the invisible work of motherhood the mental Mm -hmm. load of motherhood um and would you just recommend that sort of outsourcing and maybe advocating for ourselves as mothers is part of the solution to that problem or do you have anything else that um any other insight on that
1: Yeah. So when I became a mom, I didn't have a lot of mom friends, right? I was one of the first of my very close friends to have children. And I stress this a lot in my book too. You need a community of people who understand what you're going through. So I know that, you know, it can be so frustrating and actually, um, nerve-wracking as an adult to try to make new friends. I I remember like walking into the first PTA meeting at my son's school when he was in preschool and wondering where to sit. I felt like I was in junior high with my tray and looking for friends to sit with, right? Um, But you have to start forging relationships with people who are going through what you're going through. And then you also rely on each other. I mean, there are times that I've been like, Anita, will you pick up Lex? from school to take Lex like home after school with you because I am running late uh, because of a work thing. Or it could be something as just having someone to go to to ask advice, or if you're missing information, like I have a text group of five moms who I'm like, wait, wait, is tomorrow picture day? Or wait, do we have to pack um, lunch for this field trip? Or um, who can help me with pickup on Friday? You know, things like that can really help relieve a lot of the stress for back to school.
0: And do do some of the moms in your mom group uh, ask you for advice, considering you are a pretty well-known parenting expert?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes they do. And um, and some of them, I've actually, they're in the book.
0: (laughs) We're going to be talking about the book. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Um, But yeah, well, I find that you know, here's, here's my philosophy, you know, I'm called a parenting expert, but I also don't feel there's one way to parent. I feel like everyone's experience brings them a certain level of expertise. Like there are things I did with my first son that I'm not doing with my second because I've kind of gone through that and my kids are eight years apart, which is a crazy long spread. But it's kind of like I've, I'm learning along the way. And I think that's also what we don't allow ourselves to do. We're gonna mess up, we're gonna make mistakes and you learn. Um, what not to do and what to do. And um, in the book, you know, I interviewed hundreds of moms to find out what they loved, what they hated, what they would change, what they keep the same, uh, what they wish they had known. And, you know, that's, that's an expertise I feel like is invaluable. And I think that's where the expertise comes from, from pulling together all the information from people who've done it.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about the book, How to mm-hmm. Have a Kid and a Life. Am I saying it correctly? Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a title. Tell us about the book. Um, I, I, I mean, I, obviously you've interviewed so many women. This is such a fantastic book. I want to know, I mean, it's pretty obvious what might have inspired it, but let's just hear from, you know, from the sort of inception through publishing, what has that been like?
1: Yeah. So when I became an editor at Cafe Mom, I um, I mostly assigned stories, but I also got really into um, the whole subject matter, obviously. And that was my experience as a journalist. You can't just sit in an office. You kind of have to go out there. So I went to mommy meetups. I went to conferences. Um, I talked to moms all the time just to find out what was going on, what moms cared about, like what really interested them. And um, and then there's, I, I covered this story personally. I wrote this essay, and it was. Um, it was entitled, is um, discovery of a mom gene the reason some of us don't crave having kids? And it was the story based on this research that came out of Rockefeller University where they found this gene in mice that when the gene is suppressed, there's no like nurturing or there's no longing to have kids or no, no longing to kind of be that maternal figure. And I, I related to that because I thought you know, I never craved having kids. I was never um, the kind of young woman who was like, I can't, you know, I can't wait to have kids. I'm going to have three or four and, you know, plan out. I I'd never played with baby dolls as a little girl. I had Barbies, but they were solving mysteries in the Amazon, you know, <laughs> and so... But I wrote this article and the reaction I got from moms was so huge. They're like, oh my gosh, maybe I don't have the mom gene. I love my kids. Of course, we love our kids. But it was so hard because it didn't come naturally and they expected things to come more naturally or they expect this longing to kick in. And that's when I realized that there are so many topics we weren't covering that moms needed to hear about, things that we don't talk about at the baby shower. You know, baby showers or when you're prepping for baby, it's all about stuff, Right. Having a cute nursery, the best car seat, a diaper bag, a wipes warmer, right? We don't prepare for all the other changes that are coming. And I feel like that is pretty significant, especially for a mom and whether you're working or not. So I wrote this book um, and I really called together those chapters based on what moms told me they wish they had known more about. So I talk about, you know, the motherhood penalty at work. I talk about the changes in your marriage, uh, the, what happens to your friendships with women who don't have kids and, and things like that. So um, that's how it all came together.
0: How has the reception been so far? I can imagine pretty, pretty great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I think women really love it or are, you know, and it's not just um, moms. It's sometimes people buy it for people they know or friends who are just having a baby because I talk a lot about making sure you keep a part of yourself and that is what we don't do, right? We're so focused on baby, which we should be, but we lose ourselves in the process. And then, you know, I, don't, I didn't understand why becoming a mom meant that I gave up everything that made me me and so many other women related to that. So I talk about how to get that back and how to make it more manageable with being a parent. And um, so I I do, I talk a lot about burnout. I think it's really important for us to do things for ourselves. I know so many women feel like, oh, when I I take a class or I take a vacation without my kids it's like they're being selfish. And I don't think that's being selfish. I think that that is actually self-care. I think it's actually, you have to nurture all of the interests and the passions and the things you liked before you had kids. And we often let those go so far in the back burner, we never pick them up again.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm writing a book myself. We're going to offline a little bit if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so you've been a parenting journalist for quite some time. And like I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've been following you since my career, you know, was sort of getting off the ground. I would love to hear it from you. How do you feel the parenting landscape has changed? Certainly, you know, with the pandemic, you know, and just, you know, with all these moms being, you know, let go or having to quit, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I guess I'm specifically thinking about like the working mom landscape, um, because that's something I'm really in sit in and talk a lot about but how do you see it right now what do you see happening maybe in the future or maybe just what your hopes for the future are for working moms
1: yeah so i think like you know parenting being a working mom has always been hard right the pandemic just even was so devastating because it made so many of us have to choose between career and taking care of our kids because our kids were home some of them home for a whole year and a lot of careers weren't conducive to balancing both. And I think it really, for the first time, bought national attention to the struggle and it made it important national news. It wasn't the one-off story of the mom who quit. I, I did cover a story like that. A mom who set up a, a table and a chair in her front yard with a sign that said, she's, she quit. Right? <laughs> because she was so burned out and so tired. You know, this is this spot more than just kind of a fun, whimsical story. Uh, one-off story to the whole issue, it really made all of us focus on what is happening to caregivers. You know, what does this mean for them? Millions of mothers had to leave the workforce, not because they wanted to, because they had to. And what does that say about our social structure and how we're able to take care of our kids? You know, I think a lot of the things were, you know, it used to be that a woman was at home and she took care of the kids and her partner went out and made a living, right? And so, she was taking care of the kids, but now we live in a society where both parents have to work. It's 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 actually a luxury if you don't have to work, but we still didn't, you know, change where there is nationally funded daycare or you know assistance with having a caretaker with you with both, both parents work. So I think all of those discussions are finally coming up, and I think it's really important. Do I think that things have changed enough? No, because We're still trying to figure out daycare and childcare and still maintain careers, but at least it's getting attention and there are more organizations and there are more resources, I think, that are listening and and catering to working moms.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one for sure. Erica, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Um, sort of like a really kind of full circle moment for me. So I really do appreciate the time. Please tell everybody first where they can get the book um, and where they can find more information on you or follow you and all those things.
1: Of course. So um, How to Have a kid in Life, a Survival Guide. You can get it wherever books are sold. Target, um, Amazon, local booksellers, Barnes & Noble. Um of course, check out your, you know, we can request it from your independent bookstore. Always like to support small bookstores. And um, you can follow me on my Instagram. It's at Erica Souter, E-R-I-C-K-A-S-O-U-T-E-R. And that is where I update with my most recent articles. I write a lot about parenting issues for various places, parents, WebMD, The Bump. And, um, and I also have a website where I update with my TV appearances. You know, I appear on TV whenever there's a crazy parenting story or- or maybe someone to weigh in who talks to moms on a daily basis. So, um, And you can always email me from my website if you have a question, or you're interested in talking about the issue, or you're struggling with something and you're looking for resources. Because, um, you know, we are kind of in this together. We need a support system. And so many moms don't have a support system. And so I, I just think we all should be there for each other.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. That was so generous of you to offer, offer up all of that information. So be sure to, you know, follow Erica, reach out if you need. If you have a question, a parenting question, she really is the best. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Thanks, Bethany.